As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Quick Slants Podcast is brought to you by Nissan. Visit choosenissan.com today for great options on any kind of a vehicle that you want at the end of this particular year. You got your Rogue, you got your Titan, you got your uh, Maxima. Okay, you want a Maxima? You want all-wheel drive on that thing? You want a panoramic sunroof? Zing, zang, you can get that done. Go to choosenissan.com today. Today on Quick Science Podcast, trade deadline comes and goes. Patriots didn't do a blessed thing. Is that an issue? Not for me, it's not. Phil Perry will join us to discuss that. And also, yet again, a subdued Rob Gronkowski sighted around the Patriots facility. Why is that dude so subdued? We need him to be above board, dude. We need him to be high, dude. Well, not that high. Finally, Chris Collinsworth on the Brady Rogers. Rivalry? Rivalry is a rivalry. All that and more on Quick Sansa Podcast. Do we have a big week ahead of us? And uh, boy, without any further ado, because we got Phil Perry on the prowl and on the phone and on the blower, we bring him in right away. Phil, how you doing, my guy? Fantastic, my guy. What's good? Uh, let's dive into Patriots news of the day on this particular Wednesday. Team is preparing, obviously, for what will be just great filler type stuff. It's not even close to being as pivotal as the Bills game was because it's not a conference game, but it is empty calories that just taste great with Brady Manning as uh, Brady Rogers, Brady Rogers. Am I right, Phil? This is fun, isn't it? I mean, yep. we don't get this very often. Last time was 2014 Packers uh, ended up nipping the Patriots there, but the Patriots went on a great run thereafter. I think they actually looked to that Packers game as, as kind of when they started to get right that year. And so I wonder if they view this game the same way because they know it'll be a challenge. We've been talking to people about Aaron Rodgers all day today, whether it's Bill Belichick, Brendan Daly, Trey Flowers, the list goes on and on. But uh, nothing, nothing but praise being heaped upon that guy, number 12, the other number 12. He's an amazing player because when you look at that game from 2014, all it was was one mistake and it wasn't even an egregious mistake. I think it was Revis took a semi not great angle on Jordy Nelson and McCourty got sucked up a little bit. Next thing you knew, he had about a 65 yard touchdown and that was the difference in that game. But we saw a lot of that mush rush stuff that the Patriots will probably employ. Although Rogers is in a different situation physically right now, but that's a three, three and one Packers team that is going to have its own hands full, but I don't want to get too far into the Packers without first Phil talking about the trade deadline and how surprising was it to you in hindsight that no deals were made? To me, it was uh, it was surprising, not stunning, not fall off my chair, but so much work and so much historically has been done by this team that you, you generally expect them to do something. 
No, I didn't have to reel in my jaw off the ground when I saw that they didn't do anything, but it really has been a while since they haven't done anything. I mean, you can go all the way back, I think, to you know, 2010. They, they end up trading away Randy Moss. That might have been a week or so before the trade mm-hmm. deadline. You would probably remember that better than I would. But, um, you know, every single year thereafter, there was some kind of move being made. Uh, and, and usually it was to bring in talent and sometimes both. You go back just a couple of years ago, they trade for Kyle Van Noy who looks like, okay, how is he going to fit in here? He's just been starting in Detroit. The Patriots have some linebackers. Then all of a sudden, Jamie Collins, I think, was actually inactive for a week, and then they traded and then they traded Collins about a week after they no, acquired. No, he like played one Kyle snap in Buffalo or something. Okay, yeah. And then yes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but in essence, inactive. Um, but one, of those, one of those, let's play him one snap so he can't say that he was benched for no reason and then, like, file a grievance against against us or something down the line the same, that was a weird one the same weird thing situation almost like a malcolm butler one for instance almost um, almost now do you feel i wrote a column on uh wednesday excuse me tuesday evening after the patriots you know said thanks but no thanks and i felt as if look it's within their right and we do have to defer on their knowledge of what's out there because we don't have the same information at our fingertips, but I don't look at any of the guys who moved and say, well, I don't know why the Patriots weren't in on that. Whether it's Demarius Thomas for a fourth, I was not a big Demarius Thomas guy, Golden Tate, but that's for a third. And I'm not really looking at wide receiver as this big yawning need that you're going to spend a third on Golden Tate. And then you're going to have to give him a fat deal. Most likely that Mike Trump what you're giving to Julian Edelman. There were just too many headaches that they were going to involve themselves in, Phil. Is that fair or is that Weasley? No, I think that's fair because when you look at those players too, I mean, they're starting level players and they would be great depth for a team that, you know, I think after you get past that first layer of talent, there's really not much there. So if you lost Rob Gronkowski or you lost Julian Edelman in the slot or you lost Josh Gordon, you'd be in a real bind. But if all those guys are still around and you're bringing in somebody like golden Tate, mm-hmm. I'm sure they would find a way to use him. But if it's not the full on, you know, hundred percent of the snaps type of role and the guy is trying to play for his next contract, are you inviting some weird locker room issues or some kind of discord? If you, you know, if you make a move like that, so I don't know, in theory, it's nice. It's It's great to have solid, you know, next level depth really across the board at positions like that, because they are so important. And if you were to lose one of those guys, your, your chances postseason wise would be in real jeopardy. Uh, I think in reality, it's, it's harder to try to figure out how to make yeah. something like that work. Even though Tom, the, the cost wasn't all that great. I mean, you're talking really mid-level picks for these guys. Well, the third rounder and the fourth rounder, absolutely. You, but it's then basically saying that the equivalent of, Joe Tooney or the equivalent of, you know, give me a fourth round pick. Um, Frank Flowers. Okay. He was a good right. one, but you know, but that's, but that's, that's you're, you're looking at starters. You're hoping to get starters in the third and fourth round. I think is, you know, you're the, the odds aren't as good, obviously as first or second, but that's the idea. So if you bring them in for potential golden, starters, you know, you give up a third for golden Tate and he says, you know what? I actually think I want to go play, play back for Seattle. Well, okay. Sorry. It didn't work out. So, but it's high level right. talent and, I think wide receiver to me wasn't we spent a lot of time on it because they're easily 
glommed on upon names. But to me, running back is, is the much bigger issue for this team as it goes forward in terms of depth. Philip Dorsett's collecting dust right now. He's depth. He can come on and play. With running back, you got Cordero Patterson and Julian Edelman getting meaningful snaps. Yeah, it's a little weird. I, I assume what they think is going to happen is that Tony Michelle is actually going to be okay, uh, whether it's this week or next week or you know sometime in the near future here. He was back at practice again today. He practiced at the end of last week. So things trending in the right direction for him. And then you still do have that Rex Burkhead, you know, uh, kind of lurking in Mm -hmm. the shadows for late in the season, like week 13, 14, somewhere in there when he can come back of IR off of IR. And so maybe that's what they're looking at. And they're saying, you know what, if we can just get through these next few weeks here, uh, we're actually going to be fine for when we really need to start running the ball, when it gets really cold and we're not going to want to throw it 60 times. Lots of Jeremy Hill to me, continues to be one of those um, far-under-the-radar personnel wax that they took that we forget about that, you know, that you don't count on. And you don't count on, you forget about, and it's it hurts them right now. Isn't that, isn't that so funny, like, how that works? Because when he was acquired, everyone was kind of like, well, you know, kind of reclamation project. He was one of, like, seven running backs on the roster at the time. But you're right. I mean, he looked so good in the preseason. And he was due for such a significant role, it looked like. Uh, you know, now, if they had him, you, would, you wouldn't even be talking about this position as being an issue, I don't think. Rob Gronkowski was at the podium on Wednesday, Phil. Um, we've talked about Gronk, you know, after I think it was the Kansas City game where he had huge catches down the stretch, put the Patriots in position to win with a catch and run and also a miraculous catch down the seam. And I caught him after that game and... Uh, Tried to talk to him briefly, and he was just off, you know, not effusive, not normally the way he was. And I said, you doing all right? He said, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, 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 yeah. I said, you seem, you seem a little down. No, no, no. Um, then we came, it came to light that after that game, he thanked Tom Brady for going to him down the stretch, and that's why Brady said, forever, man. Of course I would. We've seen now that he's been laboring a little bit, and his numbers are obviously down, and then, Phil, today during the press conference, you had a, a few questions for him, and you made some observations as well as to this guy whose numbers are down, who's in an incentive-laden contract, who was grappling with his future just months ago, still seems a little bit off. Very subdued. Well, One of the more subdued press conferences that I've ever seen from him and probably just like one of the weirder press conferences that we've seen from him probably since – he was up there in the spring wearing a full-on motocross regalia, and we were asking him about whether he's going to show up to OTAs or not, and he was saying he's got some dirt biking to do. Um, you know, it wasn't that far off the rails, but it was just – he's typically, uh, obviously, a very jovial guy. Uh, the back and forth with reporters in that room can be pretty funny. It's not always the most productive session, but he's usually smiling throughout, mm. and – Today, not necessarily the case, because I think yep. pretty early on, the questions did go to his production and specifically, you know, why have you not been able to find the end zone? He hasn't yeah, had let's, a touchdown let's since throw week that. one. Yeah, and Mike Giardi, our, I said our Mike Giardi on Quick Slants today, but it's not our Mike Giardi Aww, anymore. Let's roll some sad. of that audio from the Gronk press conference when he was asked about his production and where his head's at. What would you attribute this sort of um, touchdown drought to? Uh, I'm not really sure. Yeah. 
Everything. All of everything you said. Yeah. I don't know what to say. Well, is there a level of, of, of frustration, though, maybe? I mean, we're used to seeing you um, be targeted 8, 10, 12 times a game. You know you're winning, but kind of balance that with your own performance and productivity. Uh, nah. I mean, we're 6-2. and two. We got we just won five games in a row, and we're just trying to get the W every week. How are you feeling right now? Living. Feeling something today. Thank you. <laughs> Where would you say your, your confidence level is? It's good. Yeah. Why? Because we're winning. All right, guys, thank you. All right, Phil, so uh, as advertised, he was off. Yeah, and I don't know really if it was – you know, you've been in this situation, Tom, sometimes – it's on us. Like the awkwardness of a press yep. conference can be stirred up by us because we're not exactly peppering the guy with rapid fire questions. And sometimes the, they'll bring somebody. Now it's Rob Gronkowski. We should always have questions ready for go, to go for the guy. We should always want to talk to him, but sometimes there's just, you're not really sure if there's anything super relevant to, to bring to the table. And so there's like this feeling from the person at the podium, like, Okay, what the hell what am I doing, doing here? here? And there's people sitting back trying to figure out, okay, they're trying to, you know, word their next question in their brains before it comes out of their mouth. So it can be a little bit awkward. And so that may have led to um, the quick departure mm-hmm. from Gronkowski. But to me, it is pretty clear, especially when I, you know, I, I ask him about his confidence. That's totally open-ended. It's, it's where is it at? It, it could be great. It would be an opportunity for him if he felt great to say, Hey, I'm always confident in my abilities that, you know, I know what I could do as a player and I'm feeling good about our offense right now. We're putting up points and, you know, every week uh, is a new opportunity for us to, to get better and, and show how good we are. Like that's one way mm-hmm. to take that question. He took it the complete opposite direction. So to me, it is pretty telling. You combine that with what he, he was saying uh, to Tom Brady after that chiefs game, he told me after, yeah, thank, you know, just thanking my quarterback for coming to me after the game. And I, when I asked him, I said, well, why are you thanking him? You're Rob Gronkowski. You know what I mean? I mean, you're, mm-hmm. you're a hall of fame level tight end. He's kind of shrugged his shoulders and he didn't really want to get into it. So I, I think there is something at play here in terms of where his psyche is at. I, I think for a guy who has been so dominant when he has been on the field consistently for him not to be at that level is, is probably a difficult thing to grasp. And Tom, I, you know, I know you've talked to him a lot about, how he is feeling physically and what he does off the field to make sure that he's feeling better physically. And it just feels like there's such a stark contrast between what we saw from him last year, especially the end of last year and that Steelers game versus right now. I also wonder, Phil, if look, if I look at what's, what are the characteristics of Gronk, despite the way he can be a clown and the way he acts out, I think that he has always been a player who will do something and then when he is called to account for it, he's like the kid who screws around in school. And then once he gets sent to the office, he gets scared straight. And I remember that with the B.B. Jones picture way back when she, the, uh, the adult film actress was wearing his jersey and Robert Kraft stopped him in the hallway and was disappointed. And Gronk could barely, he like slunk around the locker room. He was so ashamed of himself. Oh, he could barely speak. I remember B, I was there for to an that extreme level with the media afterwards. I yeah, felt terrible. It was like, yep. I felt terrible for him. Like, whoa, whoa, felt, whoa. Yeah. Come on, man. Relax. It's okay. You shouldn't have done that to you. Come here. And then <laughs> almost the same thing too with, okay, so 
<laughs> Brady convinces Gronk to stay uh, to skip school for the entire beginning of the offseason. The next thing he knows, you're about to trade him to Detroit. <laughs> so I think that uh, yeah, I'm back. I'm good. I'm going to be in there all the time. So he changed. I think if I wonder if this is someone who has always done things kind of by the book in terms of these are your coaches, you do what they say. And then when he was threatened or he had the idea of a trade pushed on him, now he feels vulnerable, I guess is what I'm driving at. Mm. He's, he's been shown some vulnerability. They don't care, Rob. They will trade your ass out of here. And now he looks at things as there might be a, an effort afoot to, to get me, me out of here. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's odd because I mean he he has so much standing in terms of just how important he has been to the offense and to the quarterback specifically. Yeah, but, but he, looks, they but he looks over his shoulder and says they tried to trade my ass. How much standing can I have? But but if you're him, wouldn't you look at that and say, Well, if they decide to trade me, I'm I'm just gonna retire anyway. I'm done. Like I'm good. I've saved my money. Like this is kind of why he he kind of stepped away and and um, stepped out of line, quote unquote. You know, if you want to put it that way, uh, in the first place, because he because he could, mm-hmm. and so I would think that that confidence that allowed him to do that would would remain. But in my opinion, it's it's just not there, and I wonder if it's because he's he's not feeling physically like himself, or if he is feeling you know closer to himself than than maybe even we know. And he's not seeing the production on the field. In some ways, that might even be scarier for him. Yeah. Ball's not going to me. I don't get it. Look at all these new toys, Josh Gordon. Anyway. Or I'm healthy and I can't get open. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that, that would be a, probably a real shock to the system for him. I do want to, before we get to our interview with Chris Collinsworth, mention the Matt Patricia exchange from a press conference out in Detroit today. Oh, boy. Uh, it was Bizarre. Golden Tate, of course, traded to the Philadelphia Eagles in exchange for a third-round pick. And Patricia was asked about that. And Matt decided to all of a sudden turn into the etiquette police. So here's that sound. Why do you think this makes your franchise better? Um, well, you know, do me a favor. Just kind of sit up and just, like, have a little respect for the process. Every day you come in and ask me questions and you just kind of, like, you know, give me this, but I mean, like, just, just be a little respectful. Just, I'm asking just to be a little respectful in this whole process, okay? So ask me a question professionally, and I'll answer it for you. Phil, Matt Patricia, I remember specifically standing there after a training camp practice and trying to interview him, and he would not lift his head up. He wouldn't pick up his head to look at any of the people answering the questions. Aside from that, the answers were so horrendously offensive in terms of being uncooperative that anybody bringing up respect the process, he should be the last person talking about that. That might be the funniest thing he's ever said in front of a microphone. I know it was totally unintentional. Like he was dead serious and he was, for whatever reason, unhappy with that reporter. And maybe there's a history there that we don't know about, but like for him to say that respect, can you just have a little respect for the process is, is a guy who has, has really not respected the process for a, a long time. I will give him when he was here, like later in his career as defensive coordinator, it, 
all he, he was typically asked to do were conference calls on a weekly basis. And he gave lengthy answers there. He didn't always say a whole lot, but he said a lot of words and he was a little bit better than that experience you had with him early on. But I mean, just, just well, a very, very strange way to well, go about just, that, especially when you're asked to defend a trade that you just made, like you should be like, you were okay with doing this. You thought it was going to make your team better for whatever for whatever reason you're asked about it, you get angry at the guy asking the question. It's funny because this is exhibit A, what people point to when they they see someone come from the Patriots and go someplace else is a level of arrogance. And, you know, I don't always think that that's accurate. You know, sometimes it is, but this will be the kind of thing. Where, where would Matt Patricia, I don't know if the guy's lounging around and his junk's hanging out, but still, where Matt Patricia would get off Policing the behavior of or the posture of a reporter is bizarre to me. I mean, Belichick puts up with a hell of a lot more shit than that. <laughs> Cell phones going off, people wandering around. He never bats an eye. And Matt Patricia, been in the head coaching chair for 27 seconds, and he's <laughs> taking offense and deflecting. That's to me. He's deflecting from the conversation that you point out, Phil. You know, he really has to step to the mic on, and instead he's deflecting to the guy's posture. This guy with a beard that goes down to his belly button and has raccoons popping out of it <laughs> and a, a friggin' Ticonderoga number two stuff behind his ear. This guy who was wandering around with the Goodell shirt on. It just gives you, it just gives you a ever so brief little window. Not that we need all that many. But a little window into just how on edge the guy is at the moment, because for as odd as he was with us at times, that that was that was odd even for him. Remember how pissed so, he got at me a few years ago when I asked him after they sucked someplace why they sucked? That's kind of a negative question, Tom. Well, yeah, it right, is. Right. Maybe we can find that audio too, Kevin. I don't know if it's that important. Do you feel at all disappointed in yourself? that you weren't able to get more from those players? That's a pretty negative question there, Tom. Uh, I'm going to try to put the positive spin Well, let's try and spin it positive. That's how you I feel. mean, you know, I mean, that's it's, what it's coaches do. We try to get the good side of it. Yeah, I don't know. The sensitivity is, is a little is a little strange to me, especially yeah. when you're going to you're gonna be in that position. You know what questions are coming. Uh, like I said, no one forced you to make this trade. You made a trade. The next day you're talking to reporters, you probably should be ready to ask, yeah. uh, to, to answer questions about yeah, the no trade. No one forced you to make the trade. You know what? No one forced you to get into this business either. I mean, this is, this is, this is the life that not only he chose, this is the role that he coveted. That's why he got better at the end with the conference calls and every other thing. He wanted to be a head coach so friggin' bad. Well, now he's got it. He's got it in a great spot with a very good quarterback and a money bags owner. Come on. Pull yourself together out there. Come on. All right, so, uh, Phil, enough out of you. Now we have Chris Collinsworth because the game Sunday is, of course, on NBC, Football Night in America. Um, and Sunday Night Football, we have Chris will be alongside Al Michelle Tafoya on the sidelines. And who better to talk and put into perspective the Brady Rogers rivalry? I hate to call it a rivalry. Matchup than a guy who watches the NFL and played in the NFL at a very high level. For years, it's Chris Collinsworth right now on It's Quick Sense Podcast. That's what this is. All right, Chris, we obviously, over the course of time, we had the chance to watch the other greatest in the game conversation and quarterbacking uh, conversation play out between Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. 
But we saw that every single year. Now with Rodgers, how is this matchup to you different in terms of greatness? I, I always thought the Peyton Manning one was more about MVPs versus Super Bowl rings, you know, and then Peyton won a few more Super Bowls. and But that was always – and it was so important in the conference because basically those were the two teams, those were the two quarterbacks always playing for the right to go to the Super Bowl, right? And But this conversation is very different. This one is even a little more intriguing to me because it has to do with physical gifts. Um, Tom Brady, as we all know, is, is not ultimately so mobile, although he's made plenty of big plays moving around the pocket, an occasional scramble. You know, we've seen that. But for Aaron Rodgers, it's his mobility and his arm strength uh, that really sets him apart. And, and plus, I think from an intellectual standpoint, you say Aaron Rodgers is the equal of those other two guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if not even a little sharper, I mean, this guy won celebrity jeopardy. I mean, his, his <laughs> recall, his recall in our meetings is mind boggling. I, I mean, it's like Sean McVay ish kind of stuff. And, and so you have two of these guys who have brought this cerebral approach to playing the position, not only their physical gifts, but their mental gifts. Uh, and their ability to understand what anybody is trying to do to them. I mean, still three or four or five times a game, they get fooled. Mm-hmm. But that is that's almost by chance, you know, and, and you never know where it's going to come up. And it takes an extraordinary call by the defense. Um, but in this game, I, these guys are going to be burning the midnight oil because it, it means something to them. It's yep. got to mean something to well, them because – if, if I hear the argument all the time, they have to hear it all the time. And it's funny because earlier this year, there was a story, you know, it was Brady Rogers related. And it was alluded to by, you know, Connor, that Brady believes that Rogers is the most talented quarterback there is. And I had heard the same thing. Brady has said the same similar things to me, you know, on the side, just talking that there's nobody like Aaron. But I think he bristled when it was for public consumption that he might be acknowledging that Aaron is better than him. And so I think that competition that you alluded to is absolutely accurate. I'm going to say I would doubt that Brady ever said he was better than him. Right. I, I, I think it was a subset of that. I think Brady may have been willing to say he is more physically gifted. Yeah, I've never I, seen anybody who can do the things that he can do. Exactly. And, and that's always been my argument as well. It's like, you know, so, OK, you take Bill Belichick out of the equation. Is Brady winning five Super Bowls? Well, you know, who knows? Right. I mean, it's it's one of those kind of deals. So that combination has been so lethal. And Aaron Rodgers has only won one, and so you've got to enter that into the equation. What would they do? You know, I, we get the question, what would happen if they were on the other team? And, you know, who the hell knows? <laughs> I don't know. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, this this debate is a really compelling one for me because I, I'm, I'm probably one that believes that um, playing quarterback in this league is about 25% arm strength and about 75% other stuff. I mean, there's a reason why we're seeing 
you know, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers and Peyton Manning and Philip Rivers and Ben Roethlisberger, all these older quarterbacks still dominating the game. Because once you understand mentally what's going on and you don't have to rely on a coach on the sideline to tell you what's happening out there and you can adjust the play call on the field and on the fly, that's the most efficient way to play football. What the hell's going to happen when Mahomes figures it out? You know, Mahomes has <laughs> he has so many tools around him. You know, that's what makes that one so much fun. And Andy Reid is like this mad scientist. Just it's like he can't come up with enough formulas to make this thing you know unique and different. So yeah, I mean that's what makes football fun. Though, right? you, you see who's the next? When you say mad scientist, um, when I look at these two players, Brady and Rogers. I, I have that feeling of Brady being the guy who's in the laboratory or Brady being the Nick Faldo, to use a golf reference, versus a Sergio Garcia. Brady is the guy who is going to have Tom Martinez and Tom House giving the quarterback tutelage and telling him where his pinky was relative to his left elbow and what the degree angle was, whereas Rodgers is kind of a feel guy. He doesn't care where his platform is or anything like that. Is that accurate in your view as, as someone who analyzes it? Um, you know, to some extent it is. And I'll say this, you know, Brady's made plenty of off-platform throws in his career, so you don't want to say that. But he is a real technician. And Aaron Rodgers, we've had this conversation many times too, Aaron Rodgers is, I don't want to be on platform. I don't want to ever practice those throws. I know I can make those throws. So what I'm going to practice are all these off-platform throws. And I think to some extent he kind of falls in love with them. I think it, he's like a, uh, a no-look passer mm-hmm. in basketball. You know, he, he, he doesn't want to move his feet to where he's throwing the ball because he has the arm strength to get there anyway. And he's going to throw you off by having his body in a different position. Now, I I think with his knee injury, that's been a little tougher for him, Um, but that's that's who they are. Coaches, my guess, when you sit with them as you go around the league, might speak with more reverence about Tom Brady, whereas fellow quarterbacks might speak with more reverence about Aaron Rodgers. Is that fair? They speak with reverence almost equally about both. Yeah, I I mean, it's... I mean, there are some guys that have separated from the pack, right? We saw Drew Brees the other night have probably his worst game uh, of the year or wasn't needed as much as he has been in other games. But but when you watch these guys, and and, and so I, I, I always kind of laugh, right? Because I see guys on television that have had the game tape. They've, they've rolled it back and forth 20 times. And, and I do the same thing sometimes where you go, oh, you should have seen this, or I can't believe you didn't see that, you know. And these guys, are, you know, we're living in a history, uh, historical kind of situation. We've already seen it. We've seen replays of it. Now we're telling you something. These guys are living it on the fly with four or five guys trying to literally take them apart. I mean, because they know they knocked that guy out of the game. They're winning the football game. Mm-hmm. So the ability of those guys, and I think that um, we're seeing more and more Aaron because of his knee, having to figure things out in a way that Tom Brady has figured him out from the pocket, maneuvering inside the pocket uh, in a way that, you know, Rogers in the past would have just taken off, you know, and escaped or run or scrambled or Mm -hmm. whatever. 
you know, and now he's almost this injury is almost forcing him to adopt a little bit of the skill set of a Tom Brady. You had the opportunity to see Joe Montana in his first Super Bowl when you were at Cincinnati. Kenny Anderson was the most accurate in terms of single season completion percentage for a long time. He held that record. Um, so you've seen great quarterbacking up close for decades. Who's the best the best quarterback to ever play? You know, I, I, I don't know. You know, <laughs> I, I wish I had that answer. I wish I were smart enough to to figure out who that is. The easy answer is to always say the guy that was has the most championships. Right? Sure. I mean, that's that's Tom Brady. You can't deny, you know, what he's done, especially in the biggest of moments. I mean, Tom in the biggest of moments has been unbelievable. Even when they lost, yep. he's been believable. You know, I mean, you, so you can never deny that championship mindset, that big game mindset uh, that he has. But it's always interesting to flirt around the edges. I mean, I saw Joe Montana, um, you know, do things against us. Uh, he was a little Aaron Rodgers-like, right? I mm -hmm. mean, he could find space. He would roll out. He would create on the fly like he was playing in the backyard. I, I would say Tom Brady was a little more of the Kenny Anderson variety, you know, right. a little bit more of I've got all this figured out. <laughs> You're not going to fool me with anything that you do. And I'm going to get rid of the ball before you can hit me so I can play until I'm 67 years old. Um, so, you know, all those things just make it fun. I, I don't think there is a right answer right. to that question. I just don't think that there is. Um, but I know that we're going to have a lot of people formulating an opinion on Sunday night during this game when they get a chance to see them side by side. Well, we can't wait to hear it. We can't wait to watch it. And we appreciate you taking the time, Chris, so much. Welcome to New England in advance. The pumpkins and the foliage will still be out to welcome you. Can't wait to see it all, Tom. Thanks, buddy.